Greetings Grapple fans, it's time for one more episode of Let Me Tell You Something's review of World of Sport Wrestling. I say one more as if it's like the last one, we still have a f- another four to go, but we're past the halfway point of this uh, <laughs> epic odyssey. And the mercy you've just heard laughing right there is the Stevie boy to my BT gun, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how are you doing today, mate? I'm doing good. You're making this sound more and more like a prison sentence the it's more of these we do. But I will say, if I wasn't doing the blog and if I wasn't doing these reviews, I wouldn't be watching at this point. No. Um, well, I'm going to come into this with a bit more of a positive manner. I thought overall, for what World of Sport has produced so far, this is, I'd say, possibly the best episode. I don't I'm inclined to say. That case. But the, what I will say is that when they, they seem incapable of giving me an episode that I will fully say is good and that I would have no criticisms. When when they do one thing that's sometimes a problem, and it's not as much of a problem this time, it seems like they have to weigh it down with the other problems I have. So yeah. if, the, if the production values are tolerable, then the booking is at its most nonsensical. And vice versa. If the booking's at its most relatively sensible, as I feel like it was throughout most of this show, except for the main event, the elements of the main events, then the angles, the camera angles, and the editing really start to bother me and annoy me again instead. Yeah, it's, it felt like, um, you know those knockoff controllers you can get, like that Mad Cats with a Z, like do for like the PS2 and stuff like that. That had I'm a turbo. I'm not really a gamer, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I well, they came with like that. I'm not a gamer, nor do I have my TV tuned in. So there's both of those out the way. <laughs> just getting that in early yeah. doors. Yeah. <laughs> like Roy Keane verbally there. You interrupted me. In. You interrupted me with this podcast whilst I was reading the works of Foucault. So. <laughs> Amazingly, he's not wearing a beret while we're doing this. <laughs> Amazingly. Um, but anyway, yeah, like those Mad Cats controllers that had like a turbo button where if you pr- engage turbo mode, if you pressed a button, it would just mash it automatically for you, taking like the athletic element out of button mashing. And I feel with the camera cut button, that's what they were doing this whole episode, just just, just spamming it at random intervals. For well, fun. I mean, I'll hold off of the worst example of it until it actually happens, but it really pissed me off. Although I think I might know why it was done. But we'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So the episode opens with the WOS Championship match. In fact, the the, the match uh, there's definitely no sense of a main event as no. this match goes on. Although it does feel like four quite big matches. All of these matches could have main evented an episode. I feel, um, and the one that they chose seems like the most inappropriate one. But it's Rampage defending the WOS Championship. Obviously against the man that won the number one contenders match two episodes ago, Justin Sizem, who's now changed his name, his appearance, his height, and his personality to that of the British Bulldog Jr. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's just a bit of a weird like crowbar in to get Davy Boy into the title scene. There was no real smooth transition apart from the fact he, what, he beat Will Ospreay? Um... And then, what else has he done? He's lost a tag match. He, he won stood a tag up match as well. Yeah. I'm not but... against... Look, Davy Boy uh, Smith Jr., Harry Smith, whatever we're going to call him. Um, I've nothing against him being a challenger to Rampage, even without... And I don't... I think sometimes we overdo all the has-to-win-a number-one contenders match and all that kind of stuff. I don't... I'm not a huge fan of that as a... I think it's just a, an easy way out of not booking interesting storylines. And it's something that WWE does a lot of now these days as well. So I'm not against just the notion that he deserves a title shot. What I am against, though, is that if you set up a number one contenders match two episodes ago, then logic dictates that's the next guy to get the title match, and that was Justin Sizem. So it feels like they're airing these matches out of order. Yeah, so, it, yeah, go on. I was going to say, it's a very peculiar uh, sort of thing. I mean, we were told last week that Davey Boy was going to face Rampage. Um, so it's not even like storyline, all oh, sudden shot change, and now Davey Boy's the guy. And again, there's no angle to set it up. There's no backstage bit. There's no, you know, there's nothing like that. There's, he doesn't, Rampage doesn't mock Bulldog for his loss, and then Bulldog challenges him to a title. It just happens. Yeah. These things He's, just happen because they... Tell us they're going to happen. It's just a really weird... um, It's just a really weird move. Like, 
I get it because I guess they I guess they realise they haven't got many episodes left and they want to get David Boy into the title picture, but it does feel like you skipped a couple of steps in your story. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we'll get to that as well with um uh, an, an an upcoming match in the next episode, which really bothered me when I heard them say that. Um, the match is fine. The match is perfectly. You know, these are two very talented big guys. Yeah. Don't look out of place. I still, I still contend that I don't think Rampage is the guy to make the champion. But he's not the guy to make the champion if you're trying to make a show for the general public. He's the guy. He's very he's like. If I ran a wrestling promotion, I wouldn't hesitate making him my champion at any point. But I don't think he's the one to be champion for an ITV One program because because I think you want to go with someone that will get the general public's interest and also will provoke a more instant heel reaction if he's supposed to be the heel champ. And that's why someone like a Nathan Cruz or an Adam Maxted and cocky, arrogant, good-looking Ric Flair. Like I said, it's like choosing Arn Anderson to be a champion ahead of Ric Flair. Yeah, it's... I, I get your point there. Like, Rampage hasn't really displayed much of a character beyond he cheats to win. He hasn't chance. Shah Samuel speaks for him almost all the time. He doesn't cheat that much in his matches. He's the big bruising brawler character, and that that is fine. But usually that's not the character that you make your heel champ either, yeah. really. Yeah, I mean, and we've, we've covered this in the past, that perhaps I personally think maybe Shah should have been the one to be given the belt, and maybe we'd have had more of a character. As far as, yeah, if you want to go with a character, then yeah, you go with Shah Samuels over Rampage. Yeah. In his lovely new yellow gear, by yes, the way. Yes, I saw that as like an Arsenal, classic Arsenal away kit look. What, he's going to get the O2 logo on it? Well, no, but you know, like, when, people, when, people think, when people think of their classic Arsenal away kits, you usually think of yellow and black. And yeah. he does usually wear red. Well, no, not red and white, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I did like. I did. I didn't mind the yellow alternate look. I liked it. I think it helped. It drew like it, it drew my eye, which is what a gear change is supposed to well, do. Well, because he, his whole thing has got like the London Underground logo, so he could come out in all the different colours of all the different lines, couldn't he? If it was live, he should have come out in like a cross rail thing, and then went. Oh wait, no, I'll no. come out five months later. <laughs> hey, satire. <laughs> I real. I watched the news. Yeah. Send that into dead ringers, Simon. Love it. <laughs> oh, that'd be oh, great. Thanks. Wrestling show as a satire. That would be oh. fantastic, wouldn't it? Political satire and wrestling. Let's do it. Let's make that show happen. <laughs> oh God, could you imagine? I think you could do something with it. You really could. Well, if you look at yeah. a lot of forums online. Which wrestling politics you... fans are uh, often as polarizing as wrestling fans? So. Zack Saber Junior. would love it, actually, wouldn't he? Um, who would you cast as <laughs> Jacob Reese Mogg? <laughs> oh God, um, that, Lord Alfred. Shock... So it would have to be someone Lord Alfred Hayes, like, wouldn't it? Yeah, but like, if you had to cast, if you're doing it now, using wrestlers to do a satire, which wrestler would you cast as Jacob Reese Mogg? He's he's quite a tall fella, is uh Yeah, but the, the trouble is you don't get tall, thin wrestlers, mm. Mm. really. Um, oh, I'd be inclined to have um, James Ellsworth play Boris Johnson. Yeah, yeah, not <laughs> not the worst idea in the world. Yeah, it's a better idea to have James Ellsworth run the country. <laughs> Satire. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone massively off track here. So yeah, Rampage wins after he gouges Bulldog's eyes when he's going for a running power slam. And sorry, go on. A little bit annoyed with the eye gouge because I didn't catch it on the first time round, mm. and uh, it wasn't yeah. until the commentators go, "Oh, he's gouged his eye." I was like, "What's well, he?" Rampage's cheating is very minimal. For the yeah, he didn't part. make. He, he just sort of like drew his hand. Like he didn't make a more of an aggressive raking motion. Mm. Yeah, I I initially thought it was a clean finish, which I was very confused by. It wasn't until like the replay. Mm. Yeah, well, that was it. And then after the match, it looks like they're going to try and beat up Bulldog even more. And then Justin Sizem runs out to improve the odds, uh, and that annoys Stu Bennett greatly. How dare you run into here? You, you, and why is he in his ring? Like, why is he wearing his cape just backstage randomly? I think if you have a cape, you should wear it at all available moments. I'd like to all think, right. 
And think... that's why you would have died in the first Incredibles movie. Yeah, well, I'm not a, someone who tries to help people. See, that's that's <laughs> the mistake he made. All I could think that of That would be good, actually, if he'd got his cape caught in the door when he's running out to try and help yeah. Bulldog. No capes! <laughs> that was just running from my head the entire time. Because he gets in the ring and like, oh yeah, we're about to go. We're about to have like a fight. Mm. And then he just takes his cape off, which takes like a good 10, 15 seconds. I'm like, the moment's gone now. As far as wrestlers with capes go, he's still nowhere close to Naito. No. Oh my god, that man can wear a cape. No. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, I mean, it's like they think the cape is his personality. And it's like, right, you have to have the. Whenever you're on screen, you wear the well, cape. They, think, they obviously think of him as like a superhero, although the cape is like a gladiator thing. Yeah, I was going to say, he's more a Spartacus than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Um,. Well, we, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about Justin Sizem later because he will be facing Shah Samuels and CJ Banks in a handicap match. And if Sizem wins the match, he may get a chance at the title. The chance that he already earned when he won the number one contenders match two weeks ago that no one seems to recognise anymore. It, I reckon, because obviously this is filmed over a day period, do you reckon this was like... The, this episode was filmed on a separate day well, and I they thought. just forgot they, the script they, they, they forgot they didn't have a match it, it feels like the triple threat match should be the follow up to this match yeah and maybe you have like Banks versus Samuels and do that thing where they team up against each other but, but they booked it in that order because in that triple threat match is Nathan Cruz subbing for Adam Maxted and we'll cross yeah. that bridge when we come to it um, so yeah, that was it. That was that was decent, decent match. Okay, opening sequence, just kind of bland. It hammers home the heel authority the main event and the heel authority figure. Yeah, which is played out, but that's what we've got. Uh, we then go on to the submission match between Joe Hendry and Martin Kirby. Now, ah, uh, so it's really better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, now something's really annoying me with this um, when Joe Hendry comes to the ring. I don't think it, his mic wasn't switched on. Yeah, that's he really he's annoying. Me. Singing. Yeah, because lip syncing. He's talking to the crowd and then he starts his lyrics with, like it's just no. If you're going to have a wrestler sing his theme tune, have yeah. him sing his and theme they, tune. And when they do that, they need to not have the commentators talking over it. They need to. The commentators never stop. That's another problem. The commentators yeah. never stop talking. There has to be moments where you don't talk. And that's the one. Joe Hendry gets his entrance. He put the lyrics on the screen. He sings about it. The fans have, are waving their hands in the air with a confidence in themselves and a carefree attitude yeah. towards how other people perceive them that I can only envy them for possessing. <laughs> and, um, yeah. It just If you're going to give him a special entrance, don't bloody talk over it all the time. Yeah, and don't make it so painfully obvious that it's... You know, a mime thing. It just well, I think cheapens. You can play it. up the cheesiness of it because that is what Hendry is like—a cheesy seaside entertainer in many ways with his spangly jacket and everything. I'd have had him because potentially what you could have done is for now have him sing the theme tune, and maybe when he turns heel, you could have a thing where he's caught short by miming one day as like a little bit of a comedy healy thing. Maybe. If you really want to put mileage maybe. into it, but again, it. like I think, I think. He's embracing the cheese and he doesn't really... Well, he doesn't hide the fact that he's not... That he's lip-syncing because sometimes he has the mic to his mouth and sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. So I think that's part of the gag already. Um, yeah. And then Martin Mate, Kirby I... comes out doing the classic <laughs> Jerry Lawler SummerSlam 93 move of having and his arm Cole. in a sling. And Michael Cole, yes. Yeah. Of having his arm in a sling uh, claiming that whilst he was styling his hair... He suffered a torn hamstring. <laughs> and that he has a case of the sniffles, which could become full-blown man flu. So this, that was, this is exactly the sort of tone that I think a lot of world of sport wrestling should be. Playing up the comedy, playing up the heel and the face, and all that sort of stuff. And then they just go on to have a bit of a, they go on to have a fairly regular match, and Kirby doesn't play up the shoulder injury immediately. Like, he immediately stops doing it. It's not like, because what was so amazing about the SummerSlam thing was that Jerry Lawler carried it through and Doink had to stand in for him and all that. They could, they milked it. Yeah. They milked it. This, they just get it over and done with as quickly as possible. 
Okay, okay. But I do I love don't... the idea of getting it, and it's also his mum that's written the note, signed yeah. Martin's mum. Like the, Martin. the classic, you don't know what your mum's actual real name is, so you just say Martin's mum. Yeah. Or like that Peter K bit, leave your name and number after the voice message. Hello, my name is mum. And my number is, <laughs> who doesn't know their mum's number? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I get your point. Uh, I hadn't really considered it that way in terms of maybe he could have carried on the injury. I personally thought it was like a nice, good, self-contained comedy bit. It and was, I thought it was. Like I think that's something that like regular, not non-wrestling fans will be like, "Oh, it's okay." So there's a bit of humour to this. Yeah. And, and I, I thought Martin Kirby wrestled really well in this. He's, he's doing his like cowardly, like chicken shit heel thing at the start. That's why, again, it's still again. I I know it almost seems like I'm nitpicking, but I just think if you want to make the best possible product have the best possible booking logic behind it. Why then was the last match he was in, one where he's going hold for hold, move for move, big athletic move for move, with Will Ospreay as like an equal? There was no cowardliness to that. There was no chicken shit. He he didn't cheat in that match once. Yeah, it it looks like they just took that match out. Like That's like an exhibition match. Yeah. Not part of his story, Fred. So again, that should have been like a match that he has first. Then he's frustrated from that loss. And then he's frustrated again during the Joe Hendry tag team match. Turns on him. And then embraces Mm. cowardly heelish acts as the way to win matches. Or, if you're going to do the story in the way you've done it, have him wrestle more, more heelishly against Osprey. Yeah. Give that match more dimension. Yeah. Because they do good face heel stuff here. And it's, you know... Again, he doesn't really cheat that much. And there were little moments in it that really bothered me. I know you, you, you're you not a fan of the commentary, and I think because I'm typing up what's happening, a lot of the time I have the commentary blocked out. Yeah. But they did say some dumb things. There was a moment where Kirby had him in a guillotine choke, and Alex Shane claimed that wasn't a submission hold. Let's see how many UFC fights have been won <laughs> with someone tapping out to a guillotine, guillotine choke, choke, shall we, Alex? Yeah. I was going to say, doesn't the, the well, the dragon sleeper's like a guillotine choke, and the guy who invented that's in the WWE Hall of Fame, so obviously a submission hold, you know? But He's yeah, a- yeah, in the end, oh, this was the, the, and this was the moment that annoyed me the most. The whole story of the match was Hendry trying to get the ankle lock submission hold onto Kirby, and Kirby trying to escape it, and he finally catches him in the hold, and then what do we get whilst he's holding him in the hold? Alex Shane saying, look at that reversal by Martin Kirby. I would love to have looked at that reversal by Martin Kirby, Alex. But you know what? He didn't bloody show it because he cut to the crowd. Baffling. It is. It's it's inane. It's it's stupid. It's so stupid. It feels like you'd have to be an idiot. Not even just like, not that you don't know anything about wrestling when you're editing. You'd have to be stupid to think that's the moment to cut to the crowd. Yeah. Which makes me think why it might have happened. I'm almost trying to give them an out here. Okay, okay. Where are you going with this? I believe how it might have... What might have happened is that... Kirby sort of forced him into the ropes. And Joe Hendry went into the ropes throat first. And maybe they don't want to show something like that. Because it's like how they cut out a, a shot of the ladder actually... At the point of contact. Mm. So and when like there how, was like a couple Daniel of weeks Bryan, ago, they, uh, yeah, like they when, Daniel, that. when Daniel Bryan got fired, it was because he was choking out Justin Roberts. Yeah. All to avoid neck attacks and choking attacks. So maybe that's why they cut away. That's the only reason I can give that they're not idiots. Mm. But if you already know what level of. You should know ahead of time what moves are okay, what moves aren't okay, so the wrestlers know. Yeah. So even if it's the most reasonable reason I can give, it's still something that they shouldn't have been. They shouldn't have been put. It shouldn't have situation. happened in the first place. Yeah. yeah. So no matter what, even if like what your reasoning is is true, yeah. someone's still cocked up. There's still an error. Someone's still been in there. But not inept to the point of how are you even involved in editing a wrestling show? Yeah, it's it was just it's so annoying and it, it took us out of the moment. And I am going to try and salvage the match uh, in terms of like because the match was fine, match and was good, I yeah. I think the closing um, 
sequence, especially with the development of the Enziguri counter, as in Henry realised that that stop thing ain't going to do it anymore and ducked the uh, resulting Enziguri. Uh, and then the hubris leading to Kirby's downfall of trying to get Henry in the Henry lock, mm. leading to the counter, yeah. leading to the finish. And also that that he's good. able to roll through Kirby's roll through. I like that, which yeah. counter the counter. I like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the finish of the match was really well booked. Mm. It's just, you're taken out of the... Mo- F- oh, oh, we keep saying this, and if there was a word cloud, it'd probably be like in bold right in the dead centre, but the camera is taking us out of the moment. Yeah, It's ruining suspension of disbelief. I mean, that's the core of wrestling. And if yeah. you're playing with, mucking about with the core of wrestling, you're not going to succeed as a wrestling programme. Yeah. The match, the, the, the feud storyline between the th- two of them had a beginning, middle and end, but it was at a bare minimum. Yeah. The beginning of a heel turn that took, you know, we had our debate about that. And there's no point going back to it. The middle of their second match where Kirby cheated to win and the end of Kurt, of Hendry getting his own back with the submission. Okay. All the connecting links that should have been in between them didn't happen. Kirby didn't cause Hendry to lose his title match against Rampage. Mm. Kirby didn't. Hendry didn't get to challenge Kirby to a submission match and where he could put something on the line because you know Kirby is at a disadvantage in this match. It's clear that Hendry is the submission technical wrestling specialist. So, either, but then they say, so they, either but then they it say, has to be oh. e- either it has to be the just inside. Either it has to be that Joe Hendry says, "Give me this match, and if you give me this match, and if I lose, I will be gone from World of Sport forever, or something like that," yeah. or. Kirby, in his hubris, says, I can beat you in any way. I can even beat you in a submission match. Yeah, that would have worked. It's just weird that you point out, yeah, your logical booking is, well, Hendry's got a submission finisher. This is a match suited to Hendry. The commentary said the exact opposite. They were like, even though he has a submission finisher, he's not a submission specialist. He's like a more an amateur wrestling thing. I'm like, yeah, they were saying something about mixed martial arts and everything. I just turned them out at that point, saying this sounds moronic and I'm not having any part of it. Yeah, it's almost it's, as if they realised after the fact that they booked the face in the um, advantageous position. Yeah. It's just odd. Uh, and <sighs> we never got to hear that like Kirby badmouth uh, Henry backstage or anything like that. And, Kurt, just, and both of them are talented guys on the mic. Yeah. And they had those moments. They had those moments with crowd interactions in both matches. Like Kirby yelled at someone, in, a woman in the crowd during this match that provoked... A genuine reaction from the crowd. Yeah. It wasn't a piped in, bland audio applause sign response. It was legit. The crowd reacted in that moment. Yeah. It's just weird. It's just... You're right. The, the skeleton was there, but they didn't flesh this out. Mm. Which okay. is a shame because it's really the f- it's the first story arc we've seen come to its like a full conclusion. Yeah. Um, in World of Sport, and it was it, at its basic level the story was fine, but it could have been so much more. Mm. So it's the World of Sport Tag Team Championship Tournament Final as Yeston Reese and Kip Sabian, the heels from one half of the bracket. Take on Adam Maxted and Nathan Cruz, the heels from the other half of the bracket. It looks like it's going to be a heel-heel tag team match. Although, we did have a previous foreshadowing of what might be to come when Adam Maxted disapproved of Nathan Cruz's ruthless tactics in taking advantage of Grado's injured knee in the semi-final match. And Nathan Cruz did seem contrite to Maxted's remonstrations and many other synonyms that I can't come up with at this point. Um, <laughs> and as the match goes, it looks like Max Dead and Cruz are baby faces. They yeah, wrestle the match. Full blown. Full blown baby face. Cruz gets the crowd clapping along. It was literally like um the back of the evil crusty doll. Mm. So oh, someone set this to evil. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Like that, that, but you know what I mean. No, it was just a one eighty. There was no shade. They put shade in That's beforehand. Why you need a pre-match interview or segments where Maxted says that he and Cruz have agreed that we were too, we were wrong in our means, and if we we're going to win this belt, we win these belts. We want to win them with no questioning over our tactics, over our morals. 
Yeah, we don't want an asterisk against our record. Yeah. That's something like that. We're never told that that's what... We have had to infer that from this match. Yeah. I mean, all we've had is them shaking hands on the way to the ring. And they were, they didn't fall out last week. They just had a minor disagreement, if that makes sense. Mm. Not to the point where the handshake's shocking. You know yeah. what I mean? And these four guys wrestled what I think is one of the three best matches we've had so far in this show. Uh, I put it up there with the first round match between Max Dead and Cruz against Doug Williams and uh, HD Drake, was it? Yeah. And... I thought you, when you said third match of the show, I thought you meant this episode. I'm no, like, well, no, oh, that's no. damning with fame, phrase. Yeah, the, se- <laughs> the whole series. Um, yeah. and, and also the Will Ospreay Martin Kirby match. Uh, it's just really good back and forth, heel face wrestling, tag team <laughs> wrestling. And it just ends with. And it even ends um, with. Again, recent Sabian sort of winning fair and square, uh, as far as I can recall. Let's yeah. have a look at the finish. Cruz throws Sabian out of the ring, but Sabian sends Cruz into the barrier. Maxted hits a body slam on Reese in the ring, but Sabian pulls Reese out of the way of a second rope moonsault. A powerbomb top rope neck breaker combo is enough for Reese to get the three count on Maxted before Cruz could make the save. Yeah. So it's not <clears throat> cheating to win, but I, I guess. Like it's weird. Like it's the bad guys have been rewarded for being a more smoother tag team, which well, yeah, could be foreshadowing. That was a running story throughout the whole tournament that they were the most cohesive team. Yeah, one because Joe Hendry and Kirby broke up, they were able to beat the other more cohesive team, BT Gun and Stevie Boy, through fair and square means. Like I said, I'm not against heels not cheating all the time, because like it, the the key point about Sabian and Reese is how arrogant and cocky they are. Yeah, and up to a point they've been able to back it up. Even like Sabian, and at the start of the match, Sabian insists on tagging himself in when Reese is facing against the bigger Maxted, and that kind of is causes a minor comeuppance. So, and that kind of works as well that that Sabian feels like he's winning all these matches through his own fair and square means, but it's actually the fact that he's got a huge fucker like Reese backing oh. him up at all times. My guess is where we go from here with them is that they'll face Grado and Bulldog at some point. That would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, really, them and Stevie Boy and BT Gun are only the, really the two tag teams left standing at well, this three point. Three tag teams split up over the course of the tournament. And we had eight to yeah. start. Yeah. Well, no, we had seven, and one was just taped together <laughs> yeah, at the last true. minute. That's true. Um, but you know what I mean? Crater and Robbie X broke up, obviously, immediately. Um, well, maybe they could bring HT Drake and Doug Williams back. I mean, they've literally that was literally the only match those two have been in. Yeah. Um, so that could be one. Um, yeah. Well, it is. After the match, Maxted apologizes to Cruz. Cruz seems to accept the apology, only to attack Maxted when his back is turned. And then he hits like a top rope variant of the lung blower. Yeah, which took a long time to set up. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was quite a devastating looking move though. So yeah. It's it's a weird. Thing. We we've had like as you've just said, we've had three teams break up now over the course of this. I didn't know if you were including uh, that as part of your statistic when you said that, but uh, it's a shame in a way because those two as a tag team, I think, had a little bit more mileage left in them. Maybe I, you break them up after a rematch, or yeah, I think. Well, I just think that. Both Reese and Sabian and Cruz and Maxted would be suited for the same role. And if there's two people, two lots, I've got nothing against it. I would have, I wouldn't have a problem with Maxted and Cruz being booked as singles wrestlers more than anything. I still don't get having someone that was in Love Island become a babyface. But but he did seem to get sympathy off the crowd. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And, and Cruz seems like a great... Like, again, Cruz... Maybe maybe I would have picked Cruz as the champ over everyone. Cruz and um, Sabian are, like, the two best gobshites in this uh, <laughs> in this like um, company. Mm. And as a result, like, we talk often about their heel work more often than anyone else's. And I, I am looking forward to seeing Cruz in, uh, as a singles competitor. It's... It, you know, there's something to it, basically. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's mileage out of this. That, that, you know, they haven't but just killed may, it. We may only get one chance to see that, Simon. So we may. We may. But let's go on to the main event of the evening. We've had two championship matches. A feud ender 
And now we've got a handicap match that might lead to something in the future if, if, if the figure of authority feels like it. Which was made 50 minutes ago. Yeah. It's Shah Samuels and CJ Banks against Justin Sizem in a handicap match. And Justin Sizem's fighting for, as you mentioned, something which he already has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's again, not much to report. Good. Samuels and Banks do a good job of the overwhelming heelish tag team taking advantage of the numbers situation and just I will deciding say, to fight back. I am going to say it's very bland. I find. Yeah, he's like, I will he's, say, like, he's like someone who's made. Well, I think he was like a rugby league. I think he's got experience in a number of different sports. My guess is he's not a lifelong lover of wrestling. But he has the physical tools that make him like. He looks like he's come out. He looks like the the WOS equivalent of one of those guys that comes out of the uh, developmental series, um, developmental tramp camp that kind of looks out of place in NXT against all the super indie guys. <laughs> but that works for them. And sometimes depends how sometimes. they do it. You, um, you get where I'm coming from, you know. I do, I do, and I will like say Tino Sabatelli's and those yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I knew who you were referring to there, or sort of like a Baron Corbin who came out of like, NFL. Yeah, but Car- Corbin, yeah, sort of to but an extent. A, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will stick up for the commentary in this match. There was a, like a really good line that really cemented uh, Bennett as a heel authority figure. Um, when the other two commentators are going, well, why have you booked him in this handicap match? This isn't fair. This isn't fair. And he's like, well, Crater managed it last week, so I don't see what the problem is. That wasn't a handicap match, Stu. Was it? Was it, Stu? No. Or was it whoever actually booked that match? It wasn't a handicap match. <laughs> see... It was a good point until you follow that thread and think, yeah, last week. Oh, wait, no. No, that was a triple threat. Should have been a handicap match. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> there you go. Like that. Oh, it's a really <laughs> point. Sorry, you to... that, yeah. No, 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 no. Because it, it held up initially when I thought about it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He sounds like, he sounds like a knob. Uh, and then now you... <laughs> You apply that extra layer of logic to it, you're like, oh, it's not quite what happened, though, is oh, in it? In fairness, that could be like Stu Bennett's hypocrisy, and they say, that was a three-way match. Why didn't you book this as a three-way match? There you go, yeah. They, like, they could have highlighted that, and it goes, well, nah, different. And then it sounds like more like a dick, but they just sound a bit silly. Mm-hmm. And it holds up to the slightest scrutiny. If a storyline can be picked up, like... Un- we are nitpicking to the nth degree on some of the stuff we look at sometimes. But if a slight tug on a thread can completely unravel your logic, that's not nitpicking. That's and just poor storytelling. I think the general public notice these things subconsciously. You know, and all we're doing is using analytical skill to try and figure out why people might be turning it off without being able to verbalise it themselves. Yeah. Or even necessarily giving it that much out th- thought out... It's just something that they've subconsciously figured, like, this isn't very good. You know? The story yeah. doesn't work, or the presentation's annoying, or whatever. I mean, and this is it. I mean, those are the two main reasons. These are the two biggest hammers we're wielding against World of Sport. And we don't, obviously, we're not doing this in an, we didn't come go in with an anti-mindset, but they're the two biggest flaws. And we're seeing them, as wrestling fans, but casual fans will pick up on these things as well. It's not like... Well, they're not even fans, just casual observers. Yeah. And they're the people you need to draw in. And for them to be drawn in, a story has to make sense and stand mm. up to scrutiny. Mm. So, yeah, and not just Sizem, be the bare frame. Sizem, oh, yeah, Rampage comes out to distract him, uh, to distract Sizem. Sizem walks up to the ramp, they have a stare down, and then Sizem sprints back into the ring and hits his one impressive move, the diving spear. No, that's not to say he doesn't do other impressive moves, but that's an impressive move that I don't necessarily remember seeing many other I was going to say, you hit a 450 splash in this match. Yes, yes, but everyone else hits 450 splash, you know? Yeah. It's the, the enziguri of the... <laughs> All right, when you hit a 450 splash, you can call that not impressive. <laughs> it's not unique. Actually, it might be unique within World of Sport. That's That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. The it's problem you've got is that... It's 12 o'clock. <laughs> ah, right. That's what that is. <laughs> I was like, there's a there's a, there's a a creepy killer doll in your room, is what that sounds <laughs> like. 
Then he hits again the move that is being called a discus lariat, but he doesn't do the discus thing. Yeah. He spins um, around in midair. It's like it's a corkscrew a... forearm. Yeah. That's what I call it, spinning forearm. Yeah. Not discus lariat. Just to pull it back, and this is a presentation point, I don't know if you picked up on this. You know when they were like panning to Rampage as yeah. he was staring down Sizem? Did some of it look like footage they'd done before and were splicing in? It definitely looked like it could have come from any other episode. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Those crowd like, shots. Like those sometimes crowd it was shots. to the side, and then it was dead on. And when it was dead on, it looks like, you know when everyone films their entrance at the start of the series or something like that? It looks like they just took that. Yeah. I know what you mean. It's just really weird and really jarring. Yeah. Again, I think these are things that people notice subconsciously and we're just making explicit. With we our just throw into it. But that was the episode. It was... I can't call it good, but it was good, as good as a WOS episode has been, probably. Yeah. I think it's, in terms of, like, a lot of things happened in it. And it wasn't just a lot of random things, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just we need that connective tissue and they're not giving that to us. Yeah. We need to allow... Did any wrestler talk on the microphone in this episode? No. Uh, the best you got was uh, the announcer reading out Martin Kirby's mum's note. Yeah. That was the only mic time. And Shah Samuels did that these are sports entertainers thing. Yeah. We're not counting that. No. That's just like... <laughs> the don't Please don't try this at home. That's not mic time. And again, I would have thought that would just be something you give the baby faces to do. Um, no, I, I like the fact that heels are saying it as well, in a sense. Because heels can get away with saying it going, well, we are professionals. Mm. You know, but you can still hammer home the message. It's like I had a mate once who went, why do heels wear the Susan G. Komen pink stuff during uh, the Breast Cancer Awareness Month in WWE? And I just turned to him and went... Well, everyone's a baby face against cancer. <laughs> Except for Donald you Trump. Know, <laughs> um, yeah, but sometimes there's just things that do you do have to separate heel and face from. And I think the safety things is just one of them. We'll agree to disagree on that point. Um, I just think, like... Look, I think there's a way heels can do it, and it makes sense. Eh. Whether we're getting that or not is another matter, but, you know. So, yeah. That was that. What a thought. Four more episodes to go. This show ain't coming back. At least not... Well, I was saying this started 30 minutes earlier than before. It did. So does this trigger our bet or not? Ah, see, we, we were having a bit of a debate about this. A bit of back and forth. Um, I mean, well, it's, I not, it's not a completely... The, it's the not ratings, a completely... Sorry, go on. I mean, I get your point that there has been a change, but it's not a completely different time slot. Do we call half an hour a proper time slot change? That's what we first have to establish. Not necessarily. But also what's interesting... I don't know if it was done because there was something on that day. I don't know. My TV's not tuned in, Simon, so I don't know what was on before. I do know X Factor uh, started last night, so Ah. they may have moved the schedule around to fit X Factor in. And also, to um, to trigger the bets... Uh, the ratings need to have been under 500,000, and I haven't heard that they've gone that low yet. No, we need the figures. In fact, uh, last week there was a slight increase. Mm. So so it seems like they've reached their bottom. Yeah, hopefully. Just over 500,000. So then you've got to ask, do ITV have to ask themselves, is there a time slot we can fit this into that we can make money off of an audience of around 500,000 or less, because if you move it to a different time slot, then obviously there'll be fewer people. You know, if you put it on Tuesdays at uh, uh, 5.30, that's mm-hmm. different to Saturdays at 5. So- I mean, the trouble you've got is... And, and then will the production budgets make it worth their while? Yeah. Oh. The trouble you've got is how people watch television has changed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't watch this live... Uh, I've, I had it on the Skybox this morning. Yeah. Uh, unlike you, I have my TV tuned into many channels. <laughs> mm. um, and I, just, I do think how many people are watching this on on-demand. 
um, is that fact that won't be factored in obviously to the Saturday night figures but is there a bigger audience than we realize that we're not factoring in and can we get hold of that data I don't know how we can get hold of the data I think with those sort of data things that it's it's the the company's own like the ratings come from independent boards don't they like I know it's the Nielsen's in America but yeah um, it's not something that the BBC and ITV finance to the best of my knowledge they'll have their own internal polling I would assume yeah, but um, but they don't have to reveal that. It's like our Netflix never reveal their streaming numbers. Yeah. Uh, except for that one time they revealed that that one person was watching Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, like 500 yeah. times. Yeah. And then she came out and went, oh, no, it's just because I had it on in the background when I was, like, sleeping and stuff. I can sort of believe that. Sort of. But it's still a bit weird. Um yeah, it's weird you just picked one specific thing. But it was, and... um, what was I going to say? Like, well, I have a friend who has a theory, right? His theory is that at somewhere in the world, at all times, there is someone watching Training Day. <laughs> so at any moment in the world, Training Day is on and someone is watching it. Someone is watching it. Training day. Yeah, I'm like, look, obviously... It's a very, a very out there example. That'll be the case for Star Wars, The Hobbit, a Harry Potter movie. But Training Day? <laughs> it's a hell of a pick. <laughs> it's a bold theory. I mean, he could be right. He could be, but I find it... that If there's someone like that Lord of the Rings person... Yeah. Then yeah, he is. That could be like a statistical anomaly that proves... That's covering like... all different sorts of time zones when only like Japan and Australia are awake. Is, is this... Is, is Training Day that... Is Denzel Washington that big a draw in Japan and Australia? Well, maybe, just they're more, maybe they're more Eastern Warp fans. So, um, you know, there's more, there's more access to Denzel Washington now. Mm. Uh, trading day um so that's our episode and obviously yep. we get the um preview for next week where we are getting the following <laughs> things um and th- again to emphasize our dissatisfaction i'm going to do them in the order they announce them as well yeah so we're getting a loser leaves town ladder match between Cruz and maxted that's the first thing they announced uh, uh so they, many aspects of that annoy me. Let me get the list out then when we'll go into it. They then, um, second item on this list is Grado's return, but he's got something to hide and looks like we're going to see his bum bag and he's fighting Martin Kirby. Uh, and we get a three on one handicap match against Crater. Well, I'm not going to believe that when I see it. Full yeah. once, WOS bookers. No, I was just going to say there's precedent here. Hmm. Um, you've been chomping at the bit here. Um, yeah, this loser leaves town ladder match. Come on, I'm on leaves. Why is it a ladder match? Why is it happening immediately instead of giving them time to have an angle or an interview segment or anything like that? And why, in God's name, is it loser leaves town? Yeah, because um, either don't... you're getting rid of one of the two best people to have on this show. Like I said, these are the two guys I would make the champion ahead of anyone else. These are one of those two guys is the person I would have put the world the WS championship on. And either so either one of them's leaving or we're getting you're gonna go back on one of your gimmicks. Yeah. On one of your stipulations. And why are they getting an opportunity? They lost. Well what what is the opportunity for? It's not made clear. Yeah. So what are they grabbing? Someone else's P45. Is it like the pink slip on a pole match between Mick Foley and The Rock or something? Potentially. Is it like Feast or Fired, where one of the briefcases is just your P45 or the American or the pink slip? How in the name are they having two ladder matches already? If they were going to do Loser Leaves Town, if they were wedded to that concept, make it the series finale? Yeah. Because then, obviously, if one of them then goes off and says, I'm just going to try and get into the WWE, because either of those guys could get in the WWE, I would have thought, if they if they were given the right opportunity. I'd like to see how they did... Well, obviously, I think they'd be invited to a tryout, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. it's up to them. Well, I mean, well, look, either of them would be good in NXT UK. 
at the yeah. very least. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, fair. Um, yeah, and the bit, yeah, so there's so you, you've come out with so many more questions than we have answers with this now. Because, yeah, why why is it for this big opportunity? What is this big opportunity? If it's a big opportunity, tell us what it is so we can assign the right level of importance yeah. to especially the match. Since, especially since the last one that won the big opportunity in the bank match had a match with Crater. Yeah. You might want to find out what you're in for. Might It might be better to leave town at this rate. Yeah. I mean, it's like they put the big opportunity thing in and realised, oh, well, where's the motivation? And then tack the loser leaves town thing onto it. But then where's the ladder come into it? You know what I mean? It's just, we've skipped so many steps. Yeah. You could have had this match and it could have made sense if you'd given time to build it, build to those plot points. And I know that they'll say, we only have a one-hour show. Fine, work within those limitations, get rid of one of those matches on each of your last few episodes and give these guys angles, give these guys storylines. The Justin Size and Handicap match in this episode made zero sense, effectively, from a plot from a plot perspective. He was fighting for something he already had. Um, they could have just had like a brawl and like Bennett had like security and said, enough of this nonsense, um, or you'll lose your like number one contenders match or something like that. Yeah. You could you have could... Had, or you could have had it maybe be that um, Rampage is about to wrestle... Ramp- uh, no, David Boy Smith's about to wrestle Char Samuels. CJ Banks and Rampage gets CJ Banks gets involved. Sizem comes out to even up the odds. Rampage comes out to not even, even the odds. Yeah. Then Bennett does a hold on player. We're going to make this a handicap match and make it three on two or something. Match. Two on three handicap match. Sizem takes out both Banks and Samuels because he's already number one contender. He doesn't have to do anything else. And yeah. British Bulldog Jr. pins Rampage that then justifies the follow-up Bulldog Rampage match. Which we'd already had at this point. But you know what I mean? It's like... For a future just, episode. Yeah. Um, like, just take that match out and then you've got 10 to 15 minutes of being able to build stuff up. Yeah. I guess the only problem is, with that, is if they'd structure the show in such a way... That um, they'd either have to shorten the matches because they they don't want they never have gone ad break a, a two seg match, and no, I think in their head, match seg. yeah, in their head that's that one of their golden tenets is that a match must fit into a segment, yeah, which is restrictive. And these, none of these matches, these are good matches they're having, but none of them can become a great match because I think you need to have it. You're not going to have enough time. There are very few matches that are under like nine, ten minutes that I think you could say this is a great wrestling match, like a like a match everyone yeah. should see. Like some of the, and, like a classic example would be like the one, two, three kid against uh, Owen Hart in the King of the Ring '94. But that worked within the context of the match that kid was going in injured anyway, mm. so it was like attack early and try and get the win as quickly as you can, and that leaves you fresh for the final. Yeah, the other hourly, like um, the main hourly wrestling show for wrestling fans, NXT does not put that handicap on itself. Mm. Why restrict your, your storytelling options? Yeah. Unle- unless think- unless it's from ITV and they're like, well, we don't want mid-thing. Um, or maybe it's a thing where one of the common mockeries of like American football uh, from casual British people's perspective is like ad breaks during like hearts halves and stuff like that and maybe in their head they're just like ad break shouldn't be between sports i disagree i disagree especially if it's pre-recorded i just yeah. don't and you make it clear that it's pre-recorded because you show snippets of what will come up yeah you know so we know that this isn't happening live oh right sorry sorry to rant sorry about this ladies and gentlemen um <laughs> it was the wrestlers did a great job Yes. It's everything that surrounds the wrestlers that's the problem. Yes. Um, And moving on to that point, they advertise... This is really weird as well. I want to nitpick this point. They advertised... I found out via Facebook that they were going on tour uh, before I watched the episode. And on the Facebook advert, it had a list of dates. Mm. They told us on TV that they're going on tour, but did not give a list of dates. Yeah, but like they only gave it like... 
you'd think it would be something they put in several times in the show. Yeah. Like when WWE do like network ads or whatever. Or do know? a ticker. Just do a ticker uh, along the bottom of the screen. Promotional consideration paid for by the following and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was an odd choice. It's an interest what's been interesting is the choice of towns. Um I'm gonna try and bring it up now. They're, they're ending in your call in London. Which uh, they, they uh, on the Facebook advert they did say they're going to pick classic world of sport venues, mm, uh, and York and York Hall makes the most logical sense. I suppose that some, I'm disappointed they didn't do the Bedworth Civic Hall. I'd have loved that. <laughs> Just so um, we have, it's quite depressing though. Actually, some of these places um, <laughs> you hear what names they've got now back from back in the day compared yeah. to what they used to have. You've got the Southampton O2 Guildhall. Newport Centre, Bournemouth International Centre, Stoke Victoria Hall, Blackpool Tower Ballroom. Blackpool's a cool one. Um, That'd be a good one. Shame they couldn't film stuff there. Aberdeen AECC. And maybe they, um, they might have more casual that's fans quite, that's around. That's a journey those wrestlers are going on, actually, from um, Blackpool to Aberdeen. That's quite to a journey, isn't it? To Stoke, Black, Stoke well, it's Blackpool. Well, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's three lots of weekends. It's yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which again makes sense. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, Scarborough, Northampton, and York Hall, the finale, just to confirm. If I were to guess they won't sell out those venues like WWE do when they do NXT, or like probably Progress and then what do. Mm. But they might draw in a different kind of audience. I'd be curious to see how many of those people who like, you know, actually today, yesterday, I saw two people, two different people walking around with Bullet Club t shirts. How many Bullet Club people will be Bullet Club T-shirt people will be at these sort of shows, or how many of them will just go? Well, I've seen a few Bullet Club T-shirts in the world of sport crowd. Yes, but that's before they know what this product is. Now that yeah. they know what this product is, is it going to interest those people? Fair and point. If they aren't going to go. That's the sizable chunk that's making up so much of the British wrestling scene so vibrant at the moment. Yeah. I just want to see. I'm just going onto the website now, trying to see if they've put a pricing structure because tickets don't go on sale till the seventh of September. Mm-hmm. Um, so this coming Friday, sports it's fans in January as well. I don't know how many people are eager to, eager to go out on in late January. Yeah, like, when money years. just like disappears. There's a reason Dark we have uh, Boxing Day sales. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, on sale link. Da, da, da. Come on. They go on sale on Friday, so you won't yeah. be able to buy any. Ooh, uh, oh. family tickets. Yeah. Uh, I can't really make any sense of this price and structure, if I'm being brutally honest. Okay. <clears throat> so it's, it, it hasn't told me what sort of seats we can get, but there is a £50.87 option. Um, £50? Yeah. Um, get to fuck. Let me show you what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm just going to send this to you. <laughs> Alright, so that's, this is the Gildor. So this is the opener I'm looking at. Okay, Okay. now it should come through on your Facebook. Oh, okay. <laughs> we so are so professional. And £50.87, that's £45 plus transaction fees. We The government needs to do something about that. Oh, that's a family ticket. Adults. Child is 26. No way are they selling the show out. No. There's not a chance in hell. But then you scroll down, and then the lower fee, it's four, It's £39.87 for a, for a general seat. And then it says family ticket, adult, family ticket, child, £20.62. And then there's seats, £28. The lowest... Do you think there'd be some sort of bundle deal for families? Yeah. I, I don't get this this pricing structure at all. So this is this is part of the problem now. Casual people are going to go on to this and go, I ain't doing that. I'm not forking out... Th- I would have considered going to this, but I'm not forking out 39.87. Yeah, there is I'm a 20... I'm not forking out... Yeah, there is a 20... 87. Not a fucking chance. <laughs> yeah. There's a 28 quid one, which seems to be the cheapest ticket at the Guildhall. Um, There's but... no way they're selling this show out. They'll do so badly with that. With that yeah. Price. I'm just going to... Ch- for the interest of parity, I'm just going to pick. I'm going to pick Stoke and see if the prices are the same. Yeah, prices are the same at Stoke. This is a uh, 
I, uh, this seems to be their pricing structure. That will probably be the last thing that happens with World of Sport Wrestling, and it's going to be a very sad ending. That's madness. Because the, the wrestling obsessives that are going to everything at the moment, they're, they're probably people that have flown all the way to Chicago to All In from Britain, mm. and they will not be asked. And if they live in Scarborough, they won't be asked to go to the Scarborough show. And uh, you've got to think as well, the middle weekend is Royal Rumble weekend. Uh. So uh, they may even, they may even lose out. I wouldn't even out. be surprised if the WWE maybe just happens to book an NXT UK event along those weekends, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Just sneak that in. And if that happens, they are tubbed. They are utterly tubbed. That's a sad ending to it, but that just shows how... It's delusional. It's delusional. It's January. Who's going to pay that? Anyway, after two people who think people want to listen to them talk for an hour on a podcast have finished telling off other people for being delusional, how can people get in touch with you, Simon? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, well, you've you've cut us both down expertly. You took me with you, uh, like Gandalf tackling the Balrog. Uh, people can get in touch with me on Facebook. Uh, they can Someone get in is t- watching Gandalf tackling the Balrog somewhere in the world right now. Right now. <laughs> right now they are. Or Denzel Washington in Training Day. Yeah, one, one of the two. two. <laughs> uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, um, where I'm so called, uh, so known as Simon Cross Free. So, so named because I'm holding out for the uh, three-part trilogy of Training Day. Um, which I didn't know I wanted until about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> a TV spin-off of it. Um, not... With Bill Paxton. It goes through my... When you said Bill, in my head, I thought, what, Nye? Clinton? And I was like, that would be weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, or they could Bill find... Clinton does take advantage of people on their training day. Oh, you're the new one, are you? <laughs> Satire. Yeah. <laughs> Old satire. <laughs> Take that, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, so yeah, Facebook and Twitter. That's where you can get older and good self. How yeah. about you? My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U L L A for Apple, N for Ninja. That's also my Instagram handle. That's my Facebook account. That's my Twitter account. You put an at gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email address. If you look up that name on Amazon, you'll find my ebook, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. And if you want to listen to me discuss bad British movies, then by all means check out my new podcast series, Best of Worst of British. We just recently updated it with an episode called Bullseye, which is not the beloved Jim Bowen game show. I would have watched a Bullseye movie if it was the Jim Bowen show. Starring Michael Caine and Roger Moore. That is legitimately one of the five worst films I've ever seen in my life. So... Enjoy us suffering through that. Fall. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, I saw um, a tweet from your uh, Bob account uh, mm. that someone couldn't find, one of the three of you guys couldn't find a mo- one of the movies you're, you're set to watch. So I had to go uh, buy it on Amazon yeah. for, for the grand total of nine pence. Yeah. Uh, are, are you okay to give us a sneak preview as to what that movie is? Was that you? I What's can the tell story? you. It wasn't me. I actually have it on DVD and I spent a lot more than 9p on it. I went into HMV and got it. It's... Given the crossover won't be that high, it's a movie that we're actually I'm I'm supposed to watch um, still and review. We're we're recording that one on Saturday. It's a film called Cashback. I think it's one of those ones I sent you the trailer to. You did. Yeah. Oh, it's that one. Yeah. Oh. Um. I tried to watch it. Yeah. Uh, the other day, and I had to give up after four minutes because one of the first things this main character does is he puts ketchup on his mashed potatoes. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird your moral compass is weird I am on limits Simon Lucy can return to stand up that's fine but you don't put ketchup on mashed potatoes just just for the record uh, listeners he, I actually he did Lorcan did show me the uh, trailer for Cashback um, and the trailer alone was terrible so I do empathise with him having to watch the whole thing oh yeah I'm in for a treat uh, and at least when he's done that, you guys won't have to, because he lived on it for you. Yeah. We're, we're performing a public service. Are we heroes? That's not for me to say. But yes, we are heroes. 
Cavalry's anyway, heroes, maybe. Uh, we'll be in touch with you in a w- in touch. <laughs> we'll, we, uh, our next episode will hopefully be up next week. Uh, I don't believe either of us have to be off in different forests or anything like that that will prevent us from watching episode seven and getting the episode up as quickly as possible. No, I think my calendar's pretty clear. Pretty clear. It'll be the last two episodes that will be a bit harder. I'll be up in the Scottish Highlands for both of those days, so be a bit more interesting. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll cross that. We'll cross that. Ben Nevis Hill when we come to it. Wait. But until then, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a good time. Until the next time, farewell. Grandpa.